YouTube viewers, we are trying something a little different with our videos this time around. Let us know down in the comments if you prefer the movie rather than the images we used previously. Now, with that out of the way, let's check in on our friend, Brooke. From childhood's hour, I have not been, Brooke recited Edgar Allan Poe's poem, Alone, aloud to her class. As others were, I have not seen. As others saw, I could not bring. My passions from a common spring. From the same source I have not taken, my sorrow, I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I loved alone. The moment the last word left her lips, the classroom became filled with the sounds of students unzipping their bags and closing their laptops as they prepared to leave. Brooke had been fortunate enough to land a job at San Jose State University, continuing to teach English, just like she did back at the City University of New York back on the East Coast. The pay was better, yes, but she taught more classes, making the workload heavier. Don't forget, I want a 500 word analysis on this due next week. Don't email me, submit it on Canvas, please. Quickly, Brooke gathered her belongings, her laptop, notes, and poetry book, and stacked them carefully on top of one another before reaching for her purse. Her next class, of course, was across campus, and she only had 10 minutes to use the restroom and get into class and set up. Before she could leave the room, however, her phone rang. Damn it, she muttered. Placing her stuff down on the nearest desk, she rifled through her purse and grabbed the phone. It wasn't a number she recognized, and although she normally would ignore these types of calls, something in her gut told her to answer this one. Hello, she answered. Hi, Miss Faywin. This is Clarissa with ADT. We're calling you to alert you that your alarm was triggered by a motion sensor by the back door. We've already dispatched police in your area to your house. Brooke's heart sank. It had only been a week since she installed the alarm. Over the months of her being back at her parents, she began to have a feeling of being watched. She couldn't explain why, but the feeling was there. At first, she thought it was just being back in her childhood home and her parents not being there, but it was more than that. Even when she would go running, the need to look over her shoulder would become so overwhelming that she would need to stop completely and just watch, listen. There was one evening when she could have sworn there was a man following her while she was out on her run. Every turn she would make down a street, the man would be on her heels. At that moment, she was certain she was being followed, so she had stopped and began talking with a random woman, Catherine. They even exchanged numbers so they could go out together on their future walks. But when Brooke tried calling and texting her, she never received a reply. Shortly after is when she made the decision to install an alarm system on the house. I have a cat. Could it have been her? Do you know? She asked. Not sure, ma'am. Usually a cat or a dog wouldn't be enough to trigger the alarm, but I suggest you go meet officers at your house to see if anyone made entry. Call us back if you need anything else. Without thinking, Brooke grabbed her belongings, sent a quick email to her students, canceling the next class, and drove home. When she had arrived, two San Jose PD vehicles were parked in front of her house, and two officers were leaving her side gate and approaching her quickly. Brooke leapt from her car. What happened? Did they get in? Is my cat okay? We circled the property and found no signs of forced entry, one of the officers started. But that doesn't mean they didn't get in. If you have a key, we could clear the residence for you. Then you can take a look around and tell us if anything is missing. Okay, yeah, that sounds fine. Brooke grabbed her purse, found the key, and handed it over to the officers. 
Just wait in your car, and we'll come out to you and get you when it's all clear. From inside her car, Brooke watched the two officers unlock the front door of her house, draw their guns, and begin making call-outs. This is the San Jose Police Department, one of the officers announced. If anyone is in there, come out with your hands empty and over your head. They repeated this announcement three more times before tactically entering through the front doors and disappearing inside. It seemed like an entire hour had gone by before Brooke saw the officers come back outside. They had told her they found nothing out of the ordinary and that it was safe to enter. Did you see my cat by any chance? Brooke asked, worried. The officers told her they had not seen no cat during their search of the house. Together, all three went into the residence. The officers advised that they would wait in the living room while Brooke inspected the house to see if anything was missing. While doing quick scans of the rooms, Brooke was calling out for Tabby, but there was no sign of her. Although the door to her parents' room was always closed, it had been left ajar, as were all the other doors in the house after the officers had searched it. Brooke looked around the room but found nothing out of place. Tabby, she uttered. Tabby, are you in here? Just then, she heard Tabby's muffled meow. Her heart jumped. Tabby, where are you? Again, she meowed. Brooke got down on the floor and peeked under her parents' bed. And there she was, hiding against the wall. Tabby, come here. Come on. But Tabby just stared at Brooke, refusing to move from under the bed. The cat's eyes seemed larger than normal, the black of them like two windows into a perpetual void. And on closer look, her hair was standing on edge. Tabby? Brooke whispered. What's the matter? Tabby had never acted like this before. Even during 4th of July in New York, she was never frightened. Everything looked good up there? One of the officers asked from downstairs. Yeah, all good, she replied before scooping her arm under the bed and pulling Tabby out. It's all right, baby, she cooed. Did the alarm spook you? After the officers had left, Brooke spent the remainder of the day researching nanny cams to put up in her house. She still didn't know what triggered the alarm, and the more she thought about it, the less she thought it was Tabby that had set it off. The cat was an indoor cat, and she had free reign of the house. The alarm had never gone off before because of Tabby, so why would it suddenly do so now? All kinds of thoughts began plaguing Brooke's mind, from someone attempting to break in and getting scared off by the alarm, or worse, someone hiding somewhere in the house, waiting for her to fall asleep so they could leave undetected. The last scenario was what really got to her. She wished she didn't have such a wandering mind. Although she really wanted to go out for a jog to clear her head, she didn't dare leave her house. Not now, after all that happened today. I guess I'm grading papers tonight, Brooke announced to Tabby, whose disinterest was apparent. Brooke went upstairs to her bedroom, pulled out her laptop, and began opening her student submissions. Although this year was her first time teaching on the West Coast, and it was the beginning of the semester, Brooke was unimpressed by her students' work. There was no commitment, quality of carelessness to it all, like they were just going through the motions of submitting the work. When she read through the papers, all she could think in her mind was, here's my work lady, now give me an A and shut up, because that's how the papers read. After maybe an hour, she found that she couldn't focus on anything. The papers became a sea of words that were swallowed by her mind and thrown into a whirlpool of nonsensical gibberish. None of it mattered to her anymore at that moment. <sighs> Screw it. I'll finish this next week. It was then that Tabby nonchalantly wandered into the room and jumped onto the bed, 
or she'd plop down right on top of the laptop's keyboard. <laughs> I'll take that as a sign, Brooke laughed. The house fell silent, as it normally did in the evening. It sometimes made her think that she was the only person in the world, that if she were to open the window and look out, there would be nothing and no one. As she laid on her bed, thinking, she thought of her mother, how she used to always reprimand her for procrastinating. Brooke, she heard her mother's voice. You never do anything unless it's exactly what you want to do. You never have. And stop crying. You're not Scarlett O'Hara. Don't walk away while I'm talking to you, young lady. Get back here right now. Your father will hear about this. Now, all these many years later, Brooke laughed at the whole thing. She and her mother didn't always see eye to eye. But after Brooke moved out, it was like their relationship was turned onto its head. It was like she didn't recognize her mother anymore. She wasn't nearly as sarcastic, and she was actually pleasant to talk with. Feeling sentimental, Brooke wandered to her parents' room, opened the door, and stood in the doorway, looking in. Like it was happening in front of her, Brooke envisioned herself as a child standing next to her mother getting ready at her vanity, putting on her pearl earrings carefully. You will not bring a doll with you, Brooke. Her father scolded her as he was putting on his tie in the bathroom mirror. Your father's right, her mother agreed. Now, what will you remember to do? Brooke wiped the tears from her eyes, sniffled, and said, Curtsy, don't hug, call people sir and ma'am, and don't talk unless spoken to. And? Her mother asked. And, um, uh, no playing, and, um, she stumbled over her words. Keep proper distance and space, Brooke. This isn't difficult to remember. We've gone over this plenty of times already. This is a big night for your father, so could you please try to remember everything? They were all getting ready to drive to San Francisco for a public exhibition for her father's company, the Global Artifacts Association. Basically, it was a stuffy event where they displayed a bunch of their artifacts that they had curated from around the world. It was always a dreadful experience going to those things. You will not embarrass us. Is that clear, young lady? Her father knelt down to her level, his eyes meeting hers. Yes, Daddy. Brooke nodded, tears still in her eyes. Good, he replied. I'll lock up and get the car ready. Meet me in the garage. He then left the room. With her father gone, Brooke stared at the floor, feeling confused, defeated. She was only a child, yet had so many expectations placed on her, as if one wrong move on her part would ruin her parents' entire lives. Brooke, her mom said. Brooke looked up and found her mother staring down at her, carefully looking back and forth from the bedroom door. Here's your doll. Make sure your father doesn't see it, okay? And just as quickly as it all played out in front of her, Brooke returned to the present moment. Unlike her mom, Brooke's father would never relent and give Brooke what she wanted. That was more so what her mother would do, but it wouldn't be all the time. Only when her father was gone, and even then, she would only do it if there was a slim chance of him finding out, just like with the doll. Brooke sat on her parents' bed, and, for the first time, she began to get emotional. Tears obscured her vision as she found herself as a 32-year-old woman, wishing that her father would have just been a typical dad. She wished that she would have come out to see her mother just once before she passed away. It was then that she heard the strangest of noises, like footsteps, but they sounded hollow, as if they were against brittle wood. The bedrooms all had carpets in them, yet it sounded like it was coming from somewhere in the room. Hello? She blurted out. The noises stopped. 
Carefully, Brooke made her way to the bedroom door and poked her head out into the hallway. Nothing except for Tavi, who was poking her head out from Brooke's bedroom, curious. Did you hear that too, Tavi? Brooke asked, playfully. That would have been the end of it, too, had the sound not started up again. From where she stood, the sound was louder. It definitely sounded like footsteps, she thought. Slowly, Brooke placed her hand against the wall and listened. The sound was emanating from the other side. But how? The other side was the walk-in closet. The steps continued, coming closer to where Brooke was standing. Louder and louder still, the steps grew until it was like they were just in front of her. Her heart sank again. The thoughts that she was having earlier about someone breaking in and hiding came flooding back like a mental dam had suddenly been destroyed. It was then she had noticed something, though. The steps had stopped right where she was standing. Brooke held her breath. The sound of her pulse pumping feverishly was all she could hear in that moment. She didn't know what to expect, but she couldn't move from that spot. Her feet were firmly planted into that carpet, refusing to move an inch. Then, the steps continued, but they were going the opposite direction from which they came, almost like whatever it was was walking along the wall. Brooke followed, trying her hardest not to make any sound, but the steps grew distant until she could no longer hear them. For about ten minutes afterwards, Brooke stood against the wall, continuing to listen, but the sound never returned. Feeling something brush against her legs, Brooke threw her hand over her mouth to stifle her yelp, but it was only Tabby, who was staring at the wall like a lioness on the hunt. At least she wasn't the only one who heard it. Now she knew she wasn't going crazy. Closing her parents' door, Brooke returned to her room with Tabby, grabbed her phone, and immediately googled, hearing sounds from inside the walls. Immediately, her search yielded countless results of people overwhelmingly suggesting any sounds that sound like knocking or stepping being raccoons or birds nesting. After reading some of the links, she began to feel more comfortable about what she had just heard. The thoughts of some crazed man hiding in her house had all but melted away. You can't let your imagination run wild like that, she thought to herself, relieved. Not long after that, Brooke got ready for bed and set the house heater to turn off in half an hour. Before slipping under the covers, however, just for peace of mind, Brooke made sure to lock her bedroom door. Normally, she left it ajar, just so Tabby could wander in and out whenever she pleased, but not tonight, not after everything that had happened. Wrapped in her blankets like a cocoon of warmth, and the feeling of the gentle air from the vent above her bed gracing her head carefully, it wasn't long before her eyes grew heavy with sleep. But as she was drifting off, a queer noise came from the vent above her, like the grates had been closed, or the air was redirected somehow. Annoyed, Brooke turned her head and looked up with the one eye that wasn't too heavy to open, but it was much too dark, the light of the moon doing next to nothing to illuminate the interior of her room. Clumsily, she reached for her phone on the bedstand, turned on the flashlight, and pointed it upwards. It was then that the entire neighborhood must have awakened to Brooke's frantic screams, because after she had picked up Tabby and ran from the room, the sounds of sirens closing in from the distance could be heard from the bathroom that she had locked herself in. What she had seen was singed into her memory. It was all she could think about. When she had pointed her phone's flashlight up at that vent to see what had caused the noise, there had been two eyes staring right back at her. Brooke has the most peculiar of stories, doesn't she? 
Is she being plagued by the memories of a tormented childhood, or is there something more insidious going on that we're not yet aware of? Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications below. See you next time.